Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name is John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In most episodes of the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about issues that affect law enforcement officers, both active and retired, their families, friends, and supporters. We'll also be discussing incidents in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Visit our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today. Joining me in the studio, Robert he's back. Greenberg is back in studio. Jay, I got my beautiful new assigned take home, baby. Wait a minute. I told people last week you're out on official police business. That was what was official about it. I was picking up my new take home. Do you remember back in the day when you get a brand new patrol car? It was it's you, nice. Oh, you walk out, roll call, and there it is. That's right. Beautiful. The, angel, the angels are about us. It's got hubcaps. But how long work. did it take you to get a take home? I don't know about you. I but never got a take home in Baltimore. We ran them oh, 24 hours wow. a day. Yeah. We um, just changed. Every shift would change. And uh, throw the box of chicken bones out. And we had two by fours propping up the back of the seats. You know, AC didn't work. It was horrible. You know, for the old salty dogs and people that uh, remember when we had no take homes it was a different world you'd go at the end of the shift and everybody had to go back in turn their cars in and, yeah, and nobody could leave now and you go inspect when, the car with the guy you were leaving make sure yeah, there's no new fresh damage yeah and then now it's totally different you know you never see anybody at the end of the shift people are home taking their showers by then yeah, you know I've, I've heard things i heard a lot of them don't even, don't even do roll call anymore it's just like you call in service of your take-home car when you get to your area no yeah. we do uh the agencies i'm at uh, the they, little yeah definitely roll call for sure we've got a phenomenal guest today if this you're, is if, a, if you you're an up, animal lover if you're I an am, animal lover you better be listening to the show let me put it this way too if you are a person who's in dogs and dog rescues and dog shelters and also wanting to help out veterans first responders uh children and adults with disabilities you cannot miss this show i'm gonna tell you right now you gotta tell everyone you know that's a dog person shelter rescue folks you've got to listen to what brevard county sheriff's department is doing it's phenomenal and when they do this great work they place these dogs for free for free so why don't we say let's go right to the phones and talk to jesse holton what do you say let's do it joining us corporal jesse holton from the brevard county sheriff's office brevard county florida jesse how are you i'm great I'm so glad you're here. We've got so many great things to talk about with you. Robert, let me know. Your work on a program that's near and dear to my heart, uh, it's called Paws and Stripes College. What is that all about? It's kind of a, a, a combination of several great things. First off, our agency is, is in control of law enforcement services, animal services, and the jail and courthouses. So what we're able to do is blend a couple of different things. With our animal services unit, we work with our animal care techs down at the shelter, and we take dogs that have not been adopted. So they go two, three weeks. Nobody picks them out. Uh, usually, in some cases, they would have been basically euthanized or, or, or sent to rescues. We actually take those dogs. Um, we bring them down to our facility, which is an old state prison building that was set for demolition. Um, the state gave it to us, so it's a facility that was not being used. And we have uh, county-sentenced jail inmates, both male and female, that want to learn the skills of running the dog kennel, um, grooming, trimming, 
uh, and training, doing basic obedience with dogs. And that's got to so be great work, for them and the dogs. It's it's unbelievable what it what's going on with the dog or with the inmates. And they, they'll train them for about six to eight weeks, depending on how fast the dogs pick it up. And it takes a dog that was normally not behaving very well, which is half the reason why they don't get adopted. And it teaches them patience, and it, and it works on their basic obedience and turns them into a great dog. That's awesome. From there, they're screened out uh, to do, either become a law enforcement investigative therapy canine partner, uh, which is uh, they do about four to six weeks of, of advanced training where we take them out in the public. We uh, make sure they learn how to do the therapeutic side of the deployment, and we'll slate those to go to an agency for free uh, that will there be used for uh, covered in child victims and adult victims as they go through the justice system uh, during interviews and depots and trial. And those that don't make it, uh, usually because they, we get a lot of pit bulls, uh, German shepherds, the, the bigger dog mixes, we take those dogs and turn them into emotional support uh, or what we call comfort animals, and we give them away free to uh, veterans and first responders or other individuals with disabilities, like children with autism, elderly uh, dementia patients, uh, or anybody that has like a physical need they need uh, that they need help with. That's and outstanding. That's and that's given to them for free. For free. The whole program, uh, the, the equipment they get, the training that we teach, and they do a, we do an eight-hour course with the person that's getting the dog. It's two hours, four times a week um, that they got to come in and complete the process of transitioning the dog to their home, uh, and that's all done for free. So it's all, all done at no cost. And one of the things I love about that, besides getting these dogs, saving their lives, helping mold inmates and in, in developing positive characteristics and work habits can lead to a better life outside of incarceration as you're taking these big dogs and you're giving them to veterans and law enforcement officers to help I like stabilize that them. That's, that's I like just that better. huge. Uh, it's a win-win for everybody. And me being, and Robert likes them too, I'm a Rottweiler guy. I've had Rottweilers for almost 20 years. And one of the things I want to do is I want to see more Rotties involved in PTSD work for law enforcement people. But just uh, So, I mean, I'm grinning on the inside and the outside. This is just a wonderful story and, and wonderful service you offer. Hey, Jess, we hey, know... Uh, Jess is a, well, is there an ex-Marine? Am I, I don't want to. You don't want, you never want to yeah, say so ex-Marine. He's uh, a retired, get, like, yeah, he's a retired Marine. Did you do anything with canines while you were in the Corps? And uh, before we forget, again, thanks for your service, buddy. Oh, no worries. Uh, now, before I went to Marines, my dad was actually a, a police canine handler. Okay. Um, in fact, um, one of the, the people that we we got in from retirement is a, is a woman named Clara Mutter. Uh, her and her husband trained pretty much every law enforcement canine dog that started back in the 80s and 90s in Bavard County. Um, gotcha. And that's where my, my dad got into it. As a kid, um, they would get, you know, batches of puppies. And from the time I was eight years old till through high school, every kid in our family was assigned a dog. And every night we would do basic obedience and, and get the dogs trained up. And then throughout high school, I learned how to do bite work. I did tracking work. So I grew up uh, learning about dog training and training okay. work dogs. You know, one of the things you did mention, too, which brought back memories of the Baltimore Police Department, is they used to, back in the day, when I was on a job, they would go to shelters and get hyperactive German shepherds, yep. and they would work with them. And the training, initial training was walking miles and miles and miles with a handler until they got the basics under firm control and for the dog and the handler. And it was a, a wonderful process. They weren't purchased dogs at all. They were all rescues. Well, and that's that's what we're focusing on now. Is uh, uh, this year we've been open for almost a year, 
and we're on set to be able to average about 80 to 100 dogs given out for free per year that would usually have been less to taxpayers to pay for sitting in the shelters or have been euthanized. If there's, um, I'm sorry, Jess, if there's anybody listening to the story and they want to find out more about what you're doing, maybe even another sheriff's office that has the same setup where uh, most sheriff's offices do in the state of Florida where they're, they have the, the jail and the road patrol under one roof, how would they contact you and, and do you have something uh, written down or how would you train another agency to go ahead and follow in your footsteps and implement this program at their organization? That's a, that's a great question. That's what we're working on now because what we've noticed is that county, especially county governments across the country, it's usually they, they have some type of sheriff's office, they run a jail, and they have some type of animal services. Um, we actually have three postdoctoral students coming in from Nova Southeastern University in the fall, along with two uh, interns from the Florida Institute of Technology, and they're actually going to be creating uh, the manuals for how to, to get this program up and running from start to finish. Right now, if, if they want to come, uh, they're, they're more than welcome to come to our facility. We've had several counties from the central Florida area that have come in toward the facility to see what it is that we do and how we set it up, what training we send our COs to to get them, because they're not dog trainers. These are corrections officers, but we have Great resources, great organizations that we've partnered with, like the International Association of Canine Professionals, that helped us figure out what's the best way and what's the best method to, to train these shelter dogs. That's awesome. Um, and it, and it, it works great. I mean, these dogs are having a great time. The inmates have a good time. Um, they get a certificate when they leave. Uh, the recidivism rate's less than 10%, so they're not coming back to the jail. And it's a win-win-win across the board um, as far as everything. We've been able to for the first time ever, get our county shelter listed as a no-kill shelter. So wow. over 96% of the dogs um, are re-released back into society and find forever homes. And, and that, you know, that's, that's one of the big aspects. That's very rare in Florida. I love that. And I'm it, not saying it's, it's a negative because it's a horrendous job. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a horrendous job having to work in those facilities inside. What do you do? It's I, I wouldn't want that job. Tell us about the inmates. Uh, what was your initial response from the inmates when they first started this? Well, it's, at first, the inmates just want to get out of general population. Um, but what you will see is, is a lot of times, especially in the county jails, it's a revolving door. Uh, these inmates grew up in areas and, and in neighborhoods uh, and with home lives where they never got, you know, uh, unconditional love. They don't know what it's like uh, to be congratulated or be taught a skill. Um, and to have those dogs look at them. Uh, not caring that they're wearing stripes, not caring that they're an inmate, giving no bias whatsoever. That's the therapeutic side of what a dog does to a, a human being. Right. And these inmates come there and they gain confidence. We teach them business skills. We teach them how to build a resume. We actually, because uh, they don't just come to the, the facility to clean up the kennels and to train the dogs. Uh, we teach them, you know, when you get out, you're going to go do an interview. And the, the hardest thing, we're actually doing a, a bunch of research on every aspect of this program. And when we interviewed the inmates, they said the most anxiety and the hardest thing to do once they get out that door is to go sit in front of a, a, a future employer and explain to them how you just got out of jail. Mm-hmm. Some of them won't even, they'll get so stressed out they won't even go because they don't believe that they're going to get the job because they just got released from jail. Right. Well, on our certificates, it doesn't say anything about inmate. It doesn't say anything about the county jail. It says Bavard County Sheriff's Office, Pauls and Stripes College so-and-so completed so many hours of grooming, so many hours of kennel care, so many hours of basic obedience, and we provide them with a letter of recommendation if they, if they qualify, uh, go through the facility, do everything we ask them to do, 
that uh, we give to the business that will actually support the employment of this individual. And I had uh, several inmates that have told me that they've never gotten a certificate before in their life. And you're talking people that are in their 30s. Mm-hmm. You know, even as a kid in school, um, as, a, as a, you know, doing amateur sports, they just never were individuals that got the opportunity to excel. And here they are getting a certificate. Um, and it's, it's great. So St. Louis University is uh, actually coming in now. Uh, two of the professors from over there, um, one of them's a retired uh, Tampa PD officer that's got into academia. Uh, academia. She's actually, they're coming over and doing the study on the survey. So we survey the inmates um, to make sure we're, we got a better uh, feel on, on what we can provide them as they go out the door. And they're taking some of the surveys we've got. And what we've seen so far is uh, it's, it's all voluntary and it's fill in the blank. And they're writing two and three page uh, paragraphs on what the program did as far as impacting their life. It's not like they're just filling in the blank. So it's having a major impact on the inmate, just like it's having on the veterans and first responders that we've got coming in getting these dogs. Right. It, it's changing lives. Literally, I've had emails of individuals that have said, um, I, was, I was thinking about committing suicide until this dog came into my life, and now everything is, you know, the clouds are That's... gone, sun is out. And life is great. Awesome, Jess. You know, it's so funny how we hooked up is through a mutual friend. Uh, You helped out a brother that got injured in the line of duty. And I know the story personally, and that's how we met, where he needed a dog, and you were able to get that dog for him for free. How, How does... How does that happen? How do they contact you? And and um, and also, what's the process? It, that one was a unique one because uh, he, he was trying forever to get a dog. He contacted uh, one of our chiefs here at our agency, and the chief sent me an email. And, and I was like, you know what? Absolutely. We'll see what we can find. And, and biggest thing is I believe in divine intervention. Uh, he wanted a German Shepherd, and we rarely see German Shepherds, right. uh, especially a purebred. We get shelter dogs. So I was like, you know, we'll keep an eye out. We'll see what we can find. Um, we had a Doberman Shepherd mix that came in. Uh, we were like, hey, this is what we got. He's like, you know what, I'll take it. Uh, that dog, we're very strict on our training on, on what we want the dogs to be able to do. Uh, this dog wasn't working out very well. Right. And he was like, you know what, I'll take him anyways. Well, that next day, uh, a perfect, purebred, beautiful German Shepherd came in, and we were like, that's, that's for him. So we... Run the dog up, got him ready to go. Um, we actually got him to come down because he, he lives out of state now. Yes, he does. Um, took care of his family. We got uh, local organizations actually donated to have his family stay up. In, yeah, uh, let me health. jump in here, Jess. Let me let me okay. just jump in here. Um, he told me he was treated like royalty, and I, I want to thank you for that. He 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 said you got to talk to this guy, Jess. Not only did he get me the dog, but they took care of us like. Oh yeah. You know, we just saved the world. Well, he did. Every every anybody that puts on that uniform or or takes the oath is saving the world, and they need to be treated that way. And unfortunately, uh, especially on the law enforcement side, I've been on both the veteran and the law enforcement right. side. And the law enforcement side right now is, is seeing an error that our Vietnam vets went through when they came yes. home, and uh, it's a shame. And he deserves to be treated like a hero. He deserves to be treated like we treated him. And it, it's not anything that we don't do for anybody else. Right. He, he took the oath. He wore the uniform. He was injured in the line of duty. And the least we could do is treat him like he was treated when he You've was changed treated. his life, I could tell you that. You've and if really somebody else needs a dog, yeah. if someone is in a similar situation, what do they do? Yeah. Uh, well, that's why one of the reasons we would love other counties to jump on board and start this program is we cannot handle 
the influx of, of applications. Uh, we don't market our program. Uh, it's all word of mouth, and it we just we, it sounds bad to say that we don't have enough dogs to go out. But the one thing that I swore I would never do when I when I was asked to run this program was have a waiting list. Um, as a veteran, as a first responder, needing one of these dogs uh, to be sitting on a waiting list is just adding to the problem. And we have we have shelters and we have law enforcement agencies across this country that can very easily replicate this program at very minimal cost that could provide dogs for veterans and, and service members and to persons with issues. How's it um, being funded, Jess? How's it being funded? Um, we actually got the, uh, our inmate uh, relief fund, which is all the chips and sodas and, and stuff that the inmates buy from commissary. Um, that goes into a fund. And we were able to pull some of the money out of that to get it started. But when you look at what is actually uh, what costs money, um, one is the dog. The dogs are free. They're dropped off at the facility. Right. Uh, they have to have vet care. Well, the dog is already at the shelter. The vets are already paid through county funds. Um, it would be you know, taken care of medically, whether it was at our facility or not at our facility. Um, the, uh, the cost of equipment, we needed a couple of leashes, and we need some uh, working equipment to work with the dogs. That was all donated. Um, our sheriff is a, is a great uh, partner with the community down here. He was able to get uh, someone to donate the food for our program for free for the entire year. Um, and, and that's one of the things that we're doing with these, uh, these interns that are coming in is they're looking at how we were able to obtain resources through foundations, through donations, and right. through working with our community. It's essential that you get your community involved. So people can make but, a donation, like on your webpage? Absolutely. Yeah, we have BavardCharities.com. Uh, our Bavard Charities is our, our nonprofit uh, and Bavard Sheriff Charities. What that does is it allows people to make donations specifically to Pauls and Stripes. In fact, um, we got what's a, it's called the Shirley Nolan Foundation here in Bavard County. It was a, a lady that passed away some time ago, but she left her, her, her um, inheritance to this foundation that specifically looks at helping children and uh, individuals in need. And they actually paid uh, for, to send our COs to the dog training, the behavioral college that they needed to go to to be able to learn how to train these shelter dogs. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, how are we supposed to be able to replicate that in, in Orange County or down in Palm Beach County? And my big thing is it's possible. There are foundations in every community. Right. And when people find out what you're doing, um, taking these dogs from the shelter, you, helping inmates learn a skill, uh, providing a therapy dog for a child victim for a police department, um, sending it to a home to a vet, they're, they're going to get It's an easy something. sell. It's a very easy oh, My sense. wife would be all over this, yeah, well, for all the yeah. shelters well, and rescues she's yeah, involved with. If we with. had an open phone line, it'd be going off the hook. I gotta, uh, how, many, how many people are helping you do all this, Jess, on a daily basis? If uh, you know, a sheriff from Palm Beach County called up and said, hey, we'd like to uh, get this going, um, you set them up. How many people on a day-to-day basis are assisting you to do all these things? That's, that's what's unique is it, it doesn't take much. Because we use the inmates, um, we have three COs. That's it. Okay. We have a corporal CEO that runs the facility and, and maintains the schedule. And then we have uh, two other corrections officers that um, assist in the training and keep an eye on the inmates. Uh, and that's it. Uh, that's really all it takes. So Not a lot of overhead, your scale, Yeah, there's, it's zero. You can actually take, uh, if you look at the staff, and, and we did this for another county, um, what they currently had at their jail as far as who's going to be watching some of the trustees. Well, we were able to take people from the trustee center that would normally be working a shift anyways and just relocate them with the Pauls and Stripes inmates 
because uh, they don't stay there. They're not housed there. They're housed in the jail. They're just transported to the facility. Understand. They do their job, and then they go back. Now, let's talk about um, the dogs. The dogs that you place with veterans, first responders, and, and people with uh, special needs, what are they trained to do? It depends on what the person needs. And that's a, the first thing we do is ask them what it's going to be for. Is it going to be a physical necessity? As in, do we need the dog? Uh, to pull you up uh, when you're sitting down because you ha- you're, you're, don't have the strength to do so. Um, we, we can teach that. We won't go into the, the long-term stuff because once the person gets a dog, uh, we don't have time to be able to you know, go out with them for six months to a year and, and do some of the long-term things. But we can refer them to other organizations that will help them with that. Um, or we can do suggested training. So, for instance, if you have a veteran or a first responder who's uh, having night terrors, and they, and they want a dog that's going to wake them up at night, we will have them GoPro or, or audio record themselves sleeping. And the minute that they have uh, a bad dream, they wake up from a dream, we've now captured the breathing pattern. Okay. And once you've done that, you can have we have an uh, apartment that we built inside of our indoor facility, again, using inmates, um, that has observation tower. So it's like a mock apartment. And I'll have the person lay on the couch, and we put a little bit of peanut butter on their face, and we'll have the dog lay down on their little bed, and we'll play the, the tape. And the minute that the dog hears the breathing pattern change, I'll give the command for the dog to go get the treat, which is the peanut butter on the face. So the dog licks the face. And then after about, it depends on the dog, but usually after about the third or fourth time, as soon as the dog hears the breathing pattern change, they know that they can go lick yeah. the face and they get a I'm treat. smiling thinking what about that? my dogs because they love peanut butter and they love to lick me. So, <laughs> Well, and, and I'll tell you, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it sounds, you know, a little bit off, uh, kind of unique, but what happens is now when that veteran or that first responder starts to have a nightmare before the adrenaline dump and before all that negative effect uh, and stress on the body takes place, right. the dog will go wake them up. It really does make a big difference with sleeping. It makes a big difference with irritability. It makes a big difference with the stress on the heart. Um, it, it's a huge, huge And feeling benefit. calmer and more relaxed in the daytime. It, it, all that is a, a big bonus and, and helps offset the intensity of the symptoms. So if you deal Absolutely. with the issues and uh, seem to be more calm, that, that's great. So you work with just about any breed of dog, including mixes. We'll take everything from uh, uh, as small as a Chihuahua up to the size of a Great Dane, and we've used them all. We've wow. taken dogs from we got a, a dog right now that was a hoarding case, and I mean this thing was never let out of her cage since she was a puppy. Uh, had had all kinds of uh, you know um, veterinarian issues as far as medical. That was all taken care of. We shaved her up, got her nice and clean, and she is now going to be working with the guardian at Lightem, and she will sit with children on the stand when they testify in court. That's just so wow. awesome. I, I met a Marine up in Maryland when I was up there at a rock station, and he's a great big muscular guy. And he had a PTSD therapy dog that was a tiny teacup chihuahua. <laughs> and, uh, and the dog's name, I'll give, can you guess what the dog's name was? Anybody? Spike. Spike. <laughs> it was just, but he started talking, and it, kind of what you did, he started talking about what the dog does for him. And, he's, and yeah. I, I was just... I was taken back because these weren't things that I would think of, but once he started explaining just the emotional peace of mind and the ability to connect with another animal there that had his back regardless, it didn't matter what size he was, it was a bond right there. What's unique about PTSD is people don't realize that it's a domino effect of symptoms. One symptom causes other symptoms, and those symptoms cause other symptoms, and it's a spiral. 
And if we can identify some of the early symptoms and knock those out, then we can actually eliminate some of the stuff down the road. And that's part of the, the stuff that we do with these guys when they come in to get one of our dogs is the education on, you know, the PTSD, what they're experiencing, and how to recognize those symptoms. And that's really what the dog does. Is and the help dog them manage the red flags that, that, that exist. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. tremendous. So, again, if, if we have a law enforcement officer that wants to try to replicate this program, they can contact you. Or if someone yes. is in need of a dog, they contact you as well. How do they do that? Um, we can go to our, our website. It's actually Paul's and Stripes College. There's a link on our BCSO website, and they can send an email there. Um, the application will – there will be an application for the dog. They can send that to our facility. Uh, Corporal Ken Lamp is the one that re- receives all those, and he'll go through and, and start making a list. Um, we're, our big thing is right now is, is we would really like other counties to replicate this sure. program because we're getting we're just word of mouth. We're getting calls Can't from all over the state. Can't keep up with the uh, requests, I'm yeah. sure. Well, down here in, in South Florida, in Palm Beach County, you got Peggy Adams, the Domes, has so many dogs, so many dogs. Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office has, and I'm, gonna, I'm not picking on them, but they've got officers who will work this they've got so many inmates i'm sure that'll work this they have the facilities to work it it's a win-win so all you do is con- contact you to find out how to get started yeah and, and we have no problem with traveling um i've just got back from some of the counties up in the north of the state uh we will travel there we'll give them a presentation on how we do it what we do it why we chose the processes we chose how to find the resources to get it started and, and literally this is one of those programs that needs to be replicated on a nationwide basis. It, it eliminates the issues with shelter dogs. Um, it finds people that need dogs the right the, the right fit. Uh, it gives inmates an opportunity, and it really saves resources in the long run. I'm going to get my wife Stephanie on this, and uh, she's going to be like a, a dog with a bone. She'll, she's going to go <laughs> crazy for this. Jess, um, you have a very interesting couple of years since you've left uh, the military, you uh, got hired, went into the police academy and got your degree. Can you tell us a little bit about your education and where you've come from and what you've been doing and how all this is leveraging off to what you want to do in the future? Yeah, so um, I got out of the military. It was, a, it was actually a, a pretty quick uh, experience. I was um, slated to stay in the military. I was home on recruiter's assistance. I had done three tours. I was, I was in Iraq during the invasion. Uh, I was home four months, went to Afghanistan. I uh, was home five months, went right back to Iraq on, uh, uh, in support of uh, the Marine Expeditionary Unit. And I got home in October, late October, and did not know if I wanted to stay in. My family was sick of me deploying. I was kind of burned. Uh, you can only dodge so many bullets. And right. we were deploying again in March. And I happened to be eating at uh, Beef O'Brady's here in Titusville with uh, another Marine. And I was approached by uh, command staff of the sheriff's office. And they're like, we love Marines. They paid for a meal. And he was like, you know, we'll hire you if you ever want to get out. And that right there, another divine intervention. I was like, well, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm in that decision. And they said, get on the academy. Um, if you can get in, it starts in two weeks. We'll pay for everything. Wow. Sure, That's old sure school enough, right there, Jess. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. happen down no. here in South Florida. No, it's, uh, it didn't happen here. That's why I was kind of – and then what's funny is I even showed up at the academy, and they're like, sorry, we're full. We can't help you. And when I went to walk out the door, one of the guys came around the corner and said, hey, uh, the boss up there called. He said, we got to get you in. So we're going to get you in. Wow. And uh, two weeks later, I literally left uh, that weekend, went to Camp of June, turned in my stuff, checked out. And uh, two weeks later, I was sitting in the academy. So how'd, how'd that uh, go? How, how you have any funny stories that happened to you uh, just out of Afghanistan? Now you're sitting in a police academy? 
Yeah, it was uh, it was a little different, especially since they made me the class leader, and uh, I didn't feel I had a guy that was uh, we were watching the, the the flag go up, so everybody's standing at attention. And in the Marine Corps, if you do something out of attention, you get a smack in the back of the head. So uh, this this civilian guy's digging in his pocket while we're supposed to be at attention, watching the flag go up, and gave him a nice smack to the back of the head and told him to hands the you know stand still. And that doesn't work in the civilian world. Had to learn that real fast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was it was difficult adjusting. Yeah, well, you shouldn't be hitting the uh, instructor at the police academy in the back of that. No, I've been tempted a few times. <laughs> I do have to say this. The interesting story I heard was somebody made a negative snide comment to you about their college outranking your military service. Would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah, so um, while I was in the academy, a, a fellow recruit, uh, there was an instructor talking about how uh, military helps people in law enforcement and if uh, military people adapt better and, and make great cops. And uh, one of the students had just gotten out of college, graduated with his degree in, in criminal justice, and stated, um, you know, well, it, military service is nice, but I'll be your boss one day. And technically, he's correct, because at our agency, in most agencies, uh, to become higher than, than a sergeant, you have to have some type of uh, college education. So that, that just, uh, nobody in my family, you know, I'm a fourth-generation cop. Nobody goes to college. I was an enlisted uh, infantry marine. We saw college educations as a joke and, and uh, always made fun of officers. So me going to college was kind of like against my ethics as far as a, uh, a grunt. Not, all, not only it. did you go to college, but you uh, <laughs> excelled. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the thing that uh, really drove me was not only did I want to get the same degree that guy had, but I wanted to get one more above him. So uh, I got my bachelor's in two and a half years. I knocked out my master's in a year. And then uh, just for, you know, just for points, I was like, yeah, I'm going to keep going because I'm sick and tired of all these uh, people saying that education means so much. And I went ahead and got my doctorate and I got that knocked out. And I, I can tell you, I meet a lot of cops on the street that are just as smart and could have easily obtained the, the same degree. They just did not have the financial opportunities. Absolutely. Uh, do Absolutely. and uh, it's made me realize how how important it yeah education is important but at the same time there's a lot of people don't realize how smart uh some of our police officers are thank you for and saying that i appreciate it, that just you got just because you got a piece of paper doesn't mean anything i mean i i literally know i'll give my dad's a great example right stepdad he married my mom with uh, three kids racist as his own he i consider him my father does not have an education but by far one of the smartest men I've ever met in my life. Right. Well, uh, you know, we could take we could do a show on that, Jess. Because oh yeah, I've got thirty one years on Jay's. Jay was a cop back in Baltimore in uh, the seventies, eighties. So you know, back then, the just the academia world in law enforcement has changed dramatically. But I would take any of those guys that I we graduated the academy with, worked the road with in the eighties. Um, put them side by side academically, intelligent wise. I think a little uh, with this college education, uh, you forget about the street smarts, which is probably paramount in what we do on a daily basis. And you can't learn that in a book. That that's well, and, and you know, I I told my dad, I said if if the online process and the ability to get an education existed back when he was my age, he would have worked his butt off and done the exact same thing. So nowadays, there's no excuse. Guys, guys that are in, in, in my shoes that can do online work, that, that don't have to travel 45 minutes to an hour to go to college while trying to raise your family, uh, it's become uh, a system of it's bettering yourself, and you don't have an excuse anymore. We should be doing it. 
You know, uh, my father, no doubt, would have gone and got this education if he would have had the same opportunities I had. That's like an excellent point. What's your goals now? It sounds like you've got uh, Poison Stripes going, and what is, what is your goal for the next uh, two years? Well, I'm working on, on picking up, uh, pretty high up on the list to pick up Sergeant, but as far as getting things changed, I really want to start shifting the focus to bring the, the level of awareness and the level of services for PTSD um, in law enforcement equivalent to how we treat our veterans. Well, that's and awesome. Awesome. Our, our, our veterans community has, has been supported. They've been taken care of, you know, and, and when workman's comp won't even recognize PTSD in law enforcement, but yet uh, we recognize it in military, uh, something's wrong. And we're way behind as far as PTSD treatment, suicide prevention, and law enforcement. Um, the resources are out there. Uh, we just need to start doing the work. Well, and, Jess... Uh, we have to have you back just yeah, on no, that topic yeah, alone. Yeah, just too. on that topic alone. But let me jump in here, and I'm speaking for Jay and everybody associated with law enforcement today. Um, and I've spoken to you. Whatever we can do to help, we have a, a, a thank God, a huge following. And, and um, there are people out there that once they hear this, that they're dying to get involved. And, and together, and that's what I mean, um, most importantly, together we can all make a difference. And so please... If we can help in any way, uh, let us know. Yeah, get back oh, you to guys, us. Yeah, just, just getting awareness out there and, and networking everybody together. That's, there's a lot of great people out there wanting to do great yes, things. Yes, there we're is. Not all, we're not pulling the rope at the same time, and that, that's what you guys are great about is networking everybody so we can grab and pull and, and win this tug of war. Brevard County Deputy Sheriff Corporal Jesse Holden, Marine Corps veteran. Man, thank you so much for your time. Thank and you so much, doing. Jess. You're awesome, buddy. Yeah, thank, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. It's a guy I could talk to for hours. Oh, my God. Is he impressive or what? And that's just on the phone. I've never met him. I can imagine sitting down, having a cheeseburger, a cup of coffee and a soda, and just talking. Dog stories, uh, the military stories, police stories. That's a man that's driven. He's got some passion. He's definitely up there. And I, I'm just amazed by what they're doing. Again, it's called Paws and Stripes College. Right now, they've got so many requests for dogs. They're placing PTSD therapy dogs, other dogs uh, for free that they get out of shelters. The inmates train. It's phenomenal work. It's a win-win for everybody. And folks, if you really want to help out, don't send them dogs right now. They're overwhelmed, but they want to start implementing these programs at other police agencies. And that's what Jesse's message was all about today. Not only to hear what he was doing, they want this spread like wildfire to other agencies absolutely if you have if you have two or three other agencies that start taking what they have they'll train them and implement this process then you've got two three hundred percent more dogs available that can be placed for free that aren't being euthanized they're helping improve the quality of life for children with special needs first responders of ptsd veterans of ptsd and they're doing this for free nobody does you know know what's so beautiful about jesse's program I'm, i'm trying to think of somebody that would be against doing this Somebody that would be opposed or be appalled. Nobody could be opposed to this. This has got to be a win-win for everybody. It's unbelievable. And uh, we really, really appreciate Jesse coming on and sharing that with us today. And what you do is do a Google search for Paws and Stripes College and get all the details there. If you want to be a guest on the show, what do they do? You need to contact us at lawenforcementtoday.com. The contacts page is located on the bottom of the website. You can email me. 
at letceo at gmail.com. And this is Robert speaking. You can also just send a, a Facebook message. You can There's hit so us up on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. We're all over the place, Jay. And if you have a topic or suggestion and something we're not talking about that we'd like to add in the future, because it is about you, we'd love to hear from you as well. And I always say this because, listen, we're not perfect. If you have a criticism, you've got to complain. We'd love to hear from you, as long as it's not too negative. All right, so until next week, I'm John J. Wiley. Robert Greenberg. See ya. See ya.